hello everyone. Welcome to the International Youth Arts Festival uh, DigiFest. Um, I'm Tom Stocks, I'm the Programme Manager um, at IAF and we've, well this is our last event of the festival actually, um, which is quite sad, but if you haven't caught anything in the festival yet, please go back watch, you know, all the free webinars that we've been doing, all the incredible performances that have happened over the past weekend as well. It launched on Friday um, and carried all the way over to to today as well. Obviously, we're really sorry that we're not in Kingston this year, um, but obviously for obvious reasons, um, we are online. But I think this is much more accessible in some ways. Um, I think it's been completely different in terms of where we've done the festival this year. Um, a lot of positive things have come out of this, so I think that's really positive as well. Um, but yeah, we're Creative Youth. We're a charity that um, enables young people and young voices to realise their potential within the arts. Um, and we have been doing these So You Want to Work in the Arts panel discussions for the past sort of three years um, as part of the festival. They're really, I think they've been really helpful for people in, in their careers, uh, learning about things that you might not have been taught about in school or anything like that um, as well. So we'll just kind of crack on. This is obviously um, during this coronavirus pandemic, we've been inundated with a, a sort of digital revolution. I think that's where the arts is sort of heading after this. I think it's really gonna sort of kickstart a lot of digital content permanently, I think. Um, but that's why we're sort of here to discuss that. Um, and we've got some wonderful panellists here. Um, we're joined by Gudrun, Jim, Hayden and Charlotte. Um, but I'll start with you, Charlotte. And if you want to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about what you do and things like that. Cool. Um, yes, I am the Marketing Director at Creative Youth and the International Youth Arts Festival. And I'm also a freelance photographer and have experience working with sort of other community projects uh, local to Kingston and the surrounding areas. Awesome. And Jim? Yeah, hello, Tom. Uh, and hello, everyone else. I'm um, Jim Unwin. I'm a freelance video editor, um, whilst also uh, working for a post-production house in uh, Manchester professionally. And um, yeah, I've helped um, out on the uh, the festival this year with um, with a video from Vital Signs, uh, the company that um, I helped Colin Tom out with. So yeah. Cool. And Gudrun? Um, yes, hello everyone. I am Gudrun Sole Sigurðardóttir. I'm an Icelandic performance maker and director based in Glasgow. I've not been part of the festival at all, um, but I've been making lots of work in lockdown from my living room, both directing and I also reimagined a solo performance for Gift Festival at the beginning of lockdown from my living room. Amazing. And Hayden? Hi everybody, my name is Hayden. Um, I'm a tech champion for the Arts Council. My specialist in social media, but there's nine different tech champions who can help you with any digital requirements that you may have if you're from the arts and culture sector. Cool. So sort of my first question, and I'll start with you, Charlotte. Um, what has been the most creative use of digital technology that you've seen during this lockdown period? I think as everyone's already said, there's been so much that we've sort of seen and experienced throughout the last few months. It's crazy to sort of think how, how much and how quickly everyone's responded to lockdown and come out and made amazing work. Um, I think from the festival perspective, Fars Our Shoes Have Made is a, a new project that we've seen sort of where an existing piece of work was reimagined and sort of redesigned to include animation and it's a gig theatre piece, but it's also been sort of completely turned around to produce something purely for a digital um, sphere and I think from a sort of freelance perspective, I've also enjoyed going to their the playground, which is a thing by Ron Bear Dance Company, and they bring together sort of musicians, dancers, theatre um, producers, etc., and 
put everyone together normally physically and they've done the same online yeah so i'll stop waffling but yeah no no it's fine i i think generally for the festival in general it's been really nice to see how many people have sort of um really imagined their stuff i mean we've had a circus performance there's people that have been doing circus in the middle of their like housing estates it's incredible um and you know on top of car parks or you know really reimagining stuff and and obviously learning new skills like you, know, you just mentioned about fives our shoes made they've never done animation before in their life but they've they've learned how to do animation i think this lockdown has made us all you know reevaluate in terms of learning new skills it's great um jim what about yourself in terms of uh, digital content i think um the uh, isolation stories on rtv obviously me coming from post-production um it's it's a lot of people using high tech cameras, high tech specs of uh, of different uh, different sources. So to see that there's actors there that that have used their families to to create uh, real drama um, and something for as as big as ITV, I think that's um, that's 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 really good. I also did see not not using digital technology. But I saw a video of a, uh, a family using uh, pots and pans in curling. So I thought that was decent as well. Cool. And uh, Gudrun? Um, I mean, I feel like I've seen a lot, like Charlotte was saying, it feels like it's things have kind of evolved very, very quickly over the last few months. Um, when I performed at Gift Festival, I saw lots of performances where artists had kind of reimagined what it is that they do, which is exactly what you were talking about, Tom and really stretching the, the boundaries of some of these digital platforms. And one of the pieces I saw was Oliver Sands in Praise of Forgetting Part 2, which was a piece that he shared entirely on a, on a screen share on Zoom. So it was all happening on his um, desktop. And, and that, again, is something that you just wouldn't be able to do in the same way in a theatre space. So I think, yeah, I mean, I've seen lots and lots. I was part of um, mentoring a student festival at the Royal Conservatory of Scotland with a contemporary performance practice program where all of the students presented their work online across various digital platforms. Um, and all of it was incredibly innovative and, and boundary pushing, which is, I guess, what I find most interesting, more interesting than kind of pre-recorded theater shows maybe, is when people really, really, um, yeah, engage with this platform as a, as a new, new, uh, new way of making and, and engaging with a new skill set like you're saying Tom. yeah definitely and Hayden um, I was just looking for one of mine actually um, not quite arts and culture but it's semi related so there was a lady named Hanny for bridal she's got a, a, a bridal company and she did her very first virtual reality fashion show literally one of the first of a kind and it was it looked amazing it was 3d um, 3D 3D renderings of, of all of her of all of her clothing and it was streamed live to Instagram and it just looked sensational. Um, from a social media perspective, I'd probably have to shout out um, the Museum of English Rural Life. They did a great job with um, when there's a new there's a new video game that um, recently launched called Animal Crossing, I believe, and they did a great collaboration with um, by making their their audience create their their, their clothing and the kind of this, 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 the, the, the products that they may have in the archives in the video game, which I thought looked amazing. So that was a good one as well. Yeah, I mean, I've, um, I watched Hamilton online yesterday for the, for, on the Disney Plus sort of stuff. And I don't know, I'll start with you, Charlotte. Do you think that's going to scare theatres and West End theatres or things like that? Because I know the National have done it and that's, that's great. But what Hamilton did, I think they're just taking to the next level because it actually looked like a film. 
in terms of that. And I think that's great. It's making theatre a lot more accessible um, in terms of that. But obviously it's digital content and, you know, released over lockdown. Do you think that's going to make theatres reimagine the way they're going to do theatre and arts in general in the future? I think it's a really interesting one. I think, I guess, the next sort of year, especially as venues are so uncertain in terms of what they can do, I think it will be interesting to see if we, we go down this route for sort of the future. Um, I mean, obviously, the old Vic doing lungs as well, sort of selling tickets at a sort of conventional theatre ticket sort of rate, that even though you're sort of all getting the same experience from home. I think it's, I don't, I don't have the answer, but yeah, I'm very sort of interested to see where we go with it. What about you, Jim? What do you think? Yeah, I was just about to say, could I put in? Um, again, coming from the kind of editing editing side of it, there's a lot for the kind of touring touring shows, you know, throughout the, throughout throughout the UK. There's usually is somewhere a post production house, such as such as the one that I work for, where they actually film the whole of the performance, but then different parts are used for a trailer. Uh, to to kind of promote sell tickets maybe there's a star in it so they they they're selling it out there to for tickets but i think that both can live um with one another so you can both see it live but then for those that can't maybe make it to the theater for 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 whatever reason that i think there should be opportunity for for them to to see it digitally and i, I don't think it should scare I'm, I'm not so sure it's in the same um, same area for kind of that it should be a kind of versus situation. You know? But I think it definitely makes it more accessible in terms of, I mean, think about how much it would cost to watch the original Hamilton cast on Broadway or the West End. You, you'd be talking over 50, 80 pound plus. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and to absolutely. see it for six pound, I think is really accessible for, for people. Um, I mean, obviously, I know they did it before lockdown, but I think it definitely comes into that situation in terms of, I think it could really help theatre make it more accessible for people. What do you think, Adrian? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think it opens up lots of possibilities, but I think it can do. I think it's quite similar with how maybe some artists have felt really overwhelmed by the by the pressure of having to reimagine what they do or by having to suddenly perform from their living room, which is obviously not what we're used to doing. But I think if the industry can kind of respond by opening up and, and reconsidering how to engage with people and how to open how to open it up so that it's more accessible, like Hayden was talking about earlier, I think, um, yeah, I think it's just about breaking down um, barriers to accessing it, but also how we can bring it out on the streets more and how we can kind of, yeah, think about lots of different platforms instead of it just being an, an end on stage in a theatre space which for a lot of people just doesn't feel accessible or exciting. Um, how can we keep the ticket prices down? How can we keep pushing the boundaries of digital platforms, but also engaging in live experiences with the audience? Because I think that's another thing. I think we're all kind of desperate to feel part of something again and to feel like we're at a live event. And I don't think there's gonna be lots of people who want to sit as a passive audience in a theater space. I know for me, I would much rather be part of something that feels really live and really interactive. So, yeah. There was something that I saw just before a lot, I think it was, it was about a year ago, there was a guy that was creating theatre with VR. So what you would do, you put a v, your VR goggles on or whatever, and you're, you could look either side and there would be a theatre 
audiences around you and you watch the the performance like that i think that as well could be quite an interesting route to go down i don't know how how far ahead that is but i did see a quick trailer and demo of it and it, it was it was very good very good um, in fact what about you hey what do you oh, think sorry to interrupt you've also got the idea of of live streaming as well yeah uh, like what's what's to say that for i don't know potentially a little bit a little bit cheaper of the price that you log in to um a, a streaming service that has has got the potential to make it like a more like a film like i i haven't seen the hamilton yet i'm hoping to see it tomorrow but like they there could be i don't know 17 different cameras that that, that could shoot that could you could see the show but then for a fraction of the price potentially yeah yeah and what about you hayden yeah i think there's i mean i watched hamilton in two parts i was started last night and then finished it this morning it's quite long um and i i, I enjoyed it but I do think that, um, like Jim said, there's there's a space for both parts. I've been to a fair quite a lot, and I think I still would have preferred to see it live. Yeah. Um, I I did enjoy watching it on screen, but yeah, I think I prefer to see it live. Um, but I've also participated on in interactive shows. I mean, I was a, uh, I did a, a Zoom show with a magician recently. I watched him perform live um, called Magical Bones, and he interacted with the audience, and he did um, he made us do tricks at home. Um, so there are, and there were some parts of it that I think were pre-recorded, but on the whole, most of it was live. So there is still space if you want to get creative to have that kind of digital experience as well, I think. Yeah, that's amazing. Really cool. Really cool. Um, and um, I suppose, what's your, I will start with you, Sean. What would you say your biggest tips were for people who are creating digital content and sort of maybe marketing the content? What would be your sort of biggest tips for people who are sort of doing that at the moment? Curveball, that wasn't in the questions that I sent you, was it? <laughs> I think, I think it, it goes back to that, that experience element. I think, because, as you say, we're now sort of so saturated with things that are pre-recorded and limiting how much you can sort of get from that as an audience member and we're missing that sort of live experience. So I think, especially for the next year or so, when we're not sure if we can get back to doing things, especially in an indoor space, to playing with how you use that technology creatively to still create that experience i think that's going to be key whether that's through live streaming or zooms where you're sort of playing with how the tech the cameras are used and i think yeah i think that's probably wide yeah cool and jim i'd say prepare to fail because or just be happy that you have the opportunity to fail uh, coming from a post-production standpoint no one understood how to use Avid or no one understood how to use Final Cut Pro when they launched it for the first time. You've mm. got to be able to, to say that you, you've gone wrong somewhere. And what, what, more, what better time for an opportunity such as, such as now in this weird time in the, in the world that you've, you've got so much time to, to fail or so much time to then build on that and find out what you want to do as, as a creative. Yeah. And Gudrun? Um, yeah, I think maybe coming back to what Charlotte was talking about in terms of playing with different cameras and things, I think for me, um, like when I did Elysian at GIF, it was all about deciding on what platform I was going to use and then think about the platform like I would think about theatre space. So what are the possibilities instead of just thinking about the fact that I'm stuck in my living room and I don't have the lights and I don't have the audience. So how can I create, how can I allow for audience interaction? How can I create 
um, a sense of connection and how can I yeah really push the possibilities of the platforms um, I think my number one tip would be to try and set that up as quickly as you can in the process so that it doesn't feel overwhelming because I think for me it definitely felt really daunting and I was worried that I would have to compromise my work but actually by setting it up and really pushing it I think you can allow it to become something that it, you weren't able to to do in a in a live space with audience. Yeah. And Hayden? Yeah, I, I agree with Goodman. I think um, fundamentally it is about reframing how you view things, how you how you approach digital. I think at the moment sometimes we get so caught up on how things used to be that we don't allow ourselves to change. So I think that would, that is a very good point. It's just about reframing your mindset and viewing um, how you do things and how you take things forward with your content or your art form. Yeah. Um, and my next question for you, Charlotte, um, what do you think the digital future of the arts will look like when we can reopen venues and, you know, run events again and things? Good question, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think it'll be interesting to see whether a lot of companies now, pre, sort of now everyone records at least one show that they run or looks at things like that, whether there is that sort of safety net in case anything like this or sort of similar things happen again. Um, I guess it'll, it'll be interesting to see for places where there is a financial pressure to back sort of very guaranteed and secure work, whether the exciting fringe work that's challenging things actually goes still online and digital as well in the meantime of this sort of transition period. Yeah, um, yeah I don't know. That's, Jim? I think also just to um, just to say that whether we play with the physical spaces, obviously we're an international festival, and I think it's amazing that we've reached an international audience this year, much more so than we would have done in the past. But is there some way of sort of working with a hybrid and having like a physical experience where you come and watch something collectively in a space, even though you're watching a broadcast from the other side of the world, or looking at things like that? Yeah, no, I agree. And Jim. I think Charlotte kind of stole my key word there of hybrid. Um, I think that there's going to be an integration of of both of both sides, be it be it digital or be it kind of live events and uh, fundraisers or, or or anything like that. I think that they've got to learn to live together because that's how that's how the world has is kind of changed it for us now. I think it's already it's 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 already done that for us. There's there's nothing we can do. I think. Yeah, I think we've already seen, I mean, over three months, uh, it all started with monologues. I mean, people were doing monologues, and now we've got to full festivals in the space of three months. So you can imagine what's going to happen in the next six months or a year. Like, they, they, people just learn how to think more outside the box. And I think that's what the arts has always done. Yeah, is what we've always sort of progressed and thought outside the box. And it doesn't take very long for someone to, to do that. And everyone else just sort of follows suit and bit like a competition who can better each other in terms of their digital mm. content and mm. again the national theatre did it you know they released their stuff online and that was and that was great um but then what followed loads of other theatres started doing it and then obviously hamilton's come out now so you know it's, it's slowly everyone else is sort of cottoning on that this yeah. isn't going to be a fast fix and people need to to leave their digital footprint as as best they can i guess um goodrum yeah, I think um, my hope would be, because everything feels so uncertain and it feels like a massive question because of it, I just hope that the conversations will continue because I feel like I have I have felt very valued as an artist and I feel like there's been so many conversations happening about 
um, what's possible and, and how to experiment with platforms in a way that I think sometimes in venues or uh, at festivals it's very very limiting um, where the artist is kind of having to squeeze their work into a already existing format so my hope is that these conversations continue and that the the venues are not just focusing on established names to get money and audiences in and that actually it is it is still open yeah it's still it's still up for the conversation and the experimental work yeah and Aiden? Yeah, I think everybody's pretty much put, um, touched on everything. I think fundamentally it is about that um, that sustainability, about how you can create content now that will make what will be sustainable um, when we go back to normalcy. Um, that I think that was the biggest issue that we found when people first went online, is that everybody just put content online without any really thinking about why they're putting content online. There was no rhyme or reason for what they were doing. Um, and to kind, of, to kind of answer the question in the Q&A about how you can then make money from it, it's hard to make money from... Um, putting on, on content online if your audience isn't used to that. So you do have to kind of think about that long-term strategy and that how you're going to say, okay, how do we now um, provide a, a quality enough product that people are going to be willing to pay for? So it's just yeah. about thinking about that long-term strategy in that regard. Yeah, well, one more might as well stay on that question. So the question was, how can organizations make money from digital work? There has been and, and is so much free content that, that not sure people will pay in the same way as a live show. I mean... It's a bit of a weird one, isn't it? Because I think the reason why there's been so much online content is because people are just bored and they want to stay creative. And that's just where it stemmed from. And that's just where we are in terms of that. So trying to turn that into a profitable market, who knows? I mean, I know there's been talks of, of actually creating a theatre platform like Netflix um, and, it, and there being like a, a live show Netflix um, type thing which I think will, will come into play and things like that. So, you know, it's, it's like, I keep going back to Hamilton, but it's only because um, I bet they, they must have sold that to Disney for a lot of money. Thousands, millions, who knows? But surely for that subscription, that must be, we must find a way to restructure the whole financial um, structure within the theatre. So how those subscriptions then filter down into into the back into the shows back into the crew back into the performers as well so i don't know i don't really know how you do it but i suppose as what, what jim said in terms of the hybrid thing and also maybe you still you, like online content will never replace live stuff that will just never happen but in terms of charging a cheaper price maybe for the streaming i think it's right what do you think charlotte yeah i think i think sort of this hybrid element will probably be where we end up isn't it where you will i guess you can possibly access more content more international content as well by being able to see see shows through some sort of platform again it would be nice to have a sort of streaming platform for theater where i think that's part of the sort of challenge that i've seen sort of come out of these conversations is that obviously for tv everyone knows roughly where to look to find out what programs they want to watch at the moment for theatre, you know, I mean, I know there's thousands of things that I've favourited and saved and want to watch, yeah, yeah. and yet I still haven't watched half of them because I can't find them again or I can't. And it's just having that sort of mapping process, I think, for all of us is something that will develop as a result of us doing it. But as, as Hayden said, I think it's striking that balance when you've got sort of, if everyone is putting content out there, at some point we do have to start curating how and where people are sort of seeing that and engaging with that and also making them value that in whether you go down the sort of yeah subscription route or 
I suppose from a marketing content, how would you say the best way for digital content to stand out in such an oversaturated market? I think at this point, I'm definitely going to defer to Hayden as a tech champion. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. I don't, think, I, I don't think that it's so much you have to make it stand out. I think it's more thinking about your audience. It's really, really now thinking, okay, how do I create content that is really going to um, be relevant to my audience? And I think... Instead of trying to find new people, go where the love is. Go where you already know there's people who like what you do, and then really try and tailor that content accordingly. Because if they're if if your if your current audience is liking what you're doing, they will share, they will talk about it, and that's what will get you more people engaging with your content in the first place. So try and really tailor your content that you're putting out that so it makes sure that it answers the question or it's entertaining for your specific audience because that will build for you. That will help build it. Do you think it's down to us as artists as well to share that responsibility and spreading that? Because obviously, you know, with the government not stepping in and, you know, that's a whole different topic. However, I do think with the online digital content, I've done stuff before, like over this lockdown, I've done Q&As with people, um, much like this, but on a more, on a different level, um, in terms of people watch it, but then they don't share it. They don't share that later on. And, and I think it is down to us as a community to really share, I mean... It just goes down to everyone's a business and on Facebook, it costs you absolutely nothing to share a post, to like someone's content. Even if you might not like it, I bet you have someone on your friends list that will like that. And I think it's down to us as, as artists and a community of, of, in the arts that should be sharing that responsibility and helping each other out because, well, we're not getting it from anywhere, anywhere else, are we? So I think it is down to that. What do you think, Gudrun? Yeah, I mean, I do agree, but I also think that it's really hard. There's lots of artists at the moment who've had no opportunities, who've had no support, who've had nothing. And I think it is really, it's really difficult for you, therefore, to feel like, you know, that you're going to share something, share free labour on Facebook and ask your friends to like it. Because I think that's also not what we do or what we're used to doing. Um, so I think it's a shared responsibility. I think um, festivals, organisations and, and people who have been working with artists, if you've got like for me for example everything that i've been doing through lockdown is through already existing relationships with people organizations festivals i've not had anything maybe apart from this discussion actually where i've not known someone as part of the panel or as part of the festival um and i do think there is a responsibility with organizations and festivals and and the producers to try and really um, encourage those relationships to continue because actually you can do a lot more for, a, uh, for less at the moment. You can ask an artist to make something from their living room where the cost is massively reduced and actually people have more time to engage with it. So I think, yeah, I think there's, there's, a, there's a way of maybe um, figuring out a balance in it, but I think it's, yeah, it's, it's really difficult. Do you think we've not got to fall into that trap as well as obviously, um, I mean, it's hugely massive on the fringe, but doing free labour. And I think now is okay to do to do that because obviously we're in that time where we all just want to stay creative but I, I also think we need to fall, not fall in the trap of this being a permanent thing and asking artists to do free labour for, for the continual future I know it might be in your front room and things like that but I think there needs to be some sort of financial gain that comes out of it in absolutely. terms of that yeah absolutely I don't think I meant free labour I've, I've not done anything for free and I don't think I would because I know that the people who are asking me are not doing it for free yeah I don't think it's about that but I think I think, for example, at GIFT, when I presented my work for GIFT, I, was I had all the materials, I was able to just set it up in my living room and perform it. So the cost for me as an artist 
was reduced because I didn't mm. have to travel, I didn't have to sustain myself, I didn't have to hire out the rehearsal room. There was loads of cost that was reduced. So I think, yeah, as I say, it's a, it's about finding a balance, but it's it's a tricky question. Yeah, it is. What about you, Jim? Oh, mate. Um, I think I think everyone's said basically, basically everyone. I think the responsibility. I think the key words are responsibility and balance. At the, at the minute, the balance is that, or you could probably say yesterday, everyone everyone was dying for a drink, so they're open to the pub. So everyone's gone to the pubs. So at the minute, if you're talking about digital, um, digital versus live, everyone wants to go. Everyone wants to see something live. If 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 you want to, if you're interested in the arts, everyone wants to go back to the theatre. Everyone wants to go back to the cinema. They want to start doing that. So once, after a bit of time, that balance is 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 kind of down. That's where we can start taking those responsibilities a bit more. For me, I think it's it's just everything's everything's off its axis at the minute. Yeah, and then Charlotte, I'll start with you. The obviously the digital world gives us the ability to reach you know, wider audiences geographically. Do you think there is a, a need to keep shows, you know, events and festivals rooted in a local place for, uh, and communities? I think, yeah, I think obviously um, there's sort of, especially for local arts organisations, you often have a local following. And I think something Hayden said earlier about sort of obviously making work for your audiences I think that's something that's really interesting especially in a local festival context because a lot of our audiences are actually quite physically Kingston based and actually probably haven't translated online in the same way whether that's demographic or just not the same level of interest if it's not live work or it's just interesting to see how sort of that generally works um, and I think whether you sort of do projects that are based with other local organizations like partner organizations still or sort of what you look at to try and engage local audiences as well as your sort of more international online audiences as well I think that's. Do you think now is a key time for marketing for, for organizations in terms of gathering followers gathering mailing lists things like that I think it's a huge opportunity now to to improve um, organizations marketing in terms of you know for the future, for, for the festival next year, I'm sure we've gathered people this year from online content that we probably wouldn't have got um, this year in terms of the online stuff. Definitely, yeah. Um, but then I guess also you've, you've got to also balance with the fact that every every organisation in the world is probably trying to do that right now because that's probably all we can do. So yeah. for every... Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, so there's, there's challenges to both, I guess. Cause yeah. What do you think, Jim? Well, I mean... Wow, um, I think th that question is it, it kind of honed in on me because I, d I just thought to how how I was when I was younger, and um, I've I've I come from a performance kind of based background. I used to used to be an actor. I've, I've still never said no, but um, I'm not kind of following it at the moment. But if if I didn't have my amateur dramatics. Um, society when I was young I wouldn't have carved the career path that I'm, that I'm on right now so for that not to for that not to potentially be a place is is heartbreaking that, that that so many young people could not have that chance to be to be the new creatives and we were talking about it earlier to 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 think outside the box we need we need as many people as we can to be thinking 
outside of the box all of the time, every single day. So if we're taking away that chance for, for, for people, especially the, the youth of today, then it's an, it's an absolute crime. So, so yeah. Yeah. I think that could have still happened digitally. I still think, I still think there's a, I still think there's a place and a, and, and, and a market for, for digitally. Um, but from, from me personally, I'm carving out live performances to be made digitally. They've, they've still got to be live performances and they, and that's, that's still got to happen for me to have the career that I personally want. So I, th I think, yeah. Can I just say, I think, um, I think, um, again, I think it's, we just have to reframe things. And I, I really do believe that we also have to understand and, and remember that we're, everything's generational. So generations will view things different depending on the age group and the demographic of where they've grown up, et cetera. So they'll view things differently. So creators, young creators these days are, are finding their voice or finding their platform on a platform like TikTok, for example. And, I, and now it's not relevant. I'm, I'm not saying that's relevant to this conversation per se, but it's just, in, it's, it's just the way we view things. TikTok didn't, definitely didn't exist when I was growing up. Facebook didn't exist when I was growing up. The way people, so I, I do feel that, although I do agree with everything everybody said, creativity will always find a way. They will always, will always, will always find a way to to deliver on on a new platform or to to uh, or to work within the the, the boundaries of whatever um, whatever is available to them at the time. I think it's very interesting. I had, I had a discussion yesterday about um, about dance and TikTok came into that. And obviously TikTok's huge for a bit of a dance platform in terms of that as well. And actually, um, for they, they are an amateur, they're called Vital Signs and they're an amateur dramatic group in terms of uh, dance. However, what they've seen is some of their some of their um, members who are maybe not as confident in the classroom because you, you I, I've done it well when I've danced or you know done theatre and there's someone better than you in front of you you sort of come into you go into your shell a little bit however if you're there to having a class online and it's only you in that room and the only person you can see is the teacher maybe you are a bit more confident because you are a bit more comfortable in your surroundings and you haven't got other people um taking the mick out of you or do you know what I mean or you you're not comparing yourself as much so actually I think it's a massive confidence boost maybe going online for 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 young artists doing amateur dramatic stuff um what do you think Adrian? yeah I was just going to add to that I think um I mean in terms of my directing practice all I focus on is working with young people and my main focus from the beginning of lockdown which again is only possible because the organizations that I work with um, have continued to support the project and, and kind of supported me to reimagine re what the engagement is. For me, it's, all, it's been about continuing that um, engagement and I absolutely agree with what Jim is saying in terms of that being the path to the creative industries or, to, or towards whatever young people want to do when they're older. Um, and I think, I mean, I have continued working with a young company that I work with called Platform Young Company. We've just moved the process online. We've continued to meet every week I do work in Pullman Young Offenders Institution, where I um, lead a youth theatre group. And again, we used to meet every week in, in the space. Obviously, we can't. So now I'm making an interactive radio programme. I've never done that before, but it's about continuing that engagement and kind of doing whatever you need to and whatever you can as an artist. And I think if you are responsible for a group of young people or a group of participants, I do think, yeah, I do think you need to continue that engagement. Kind of however you do that is, is very important at this moment in time. Yeah. Um, and there's been a question sent in here. What is the one, I'll start with you, Charlotte. What is the one thing that arts organisations should be doing 
um, or could be doing to better or improve the digital offer they already do? I think there's a, well, for a lot of organisations, especially small organisations, I think historically sort of digital hasn't been considered on the same level, especially with either resource or timing. I think that will shift as a result of this. I think we've all become a lot more aware of it. And I think, I mean, seeing the sort of uh, local libraries come to a fore online as well, I think it's been an interesting thing for local councils to appreciate that there are all these people in their networks that can do these things and actually it's just a case of shifting how we think about it and putting I mean obviously we found that doing webinars I mean, we haven't historically done webinars online before but actually I think that's an amazing thing that we can do to reach wider people so whether you sort of pair things together or do different programs on different mediums I think it's it's just a sort of shift in how you think about everything yeah Jim I think education, Tom, um, again, uh, being a video editor is, is, is kind of what you, what you know and what you can show you can do. So if these companies are going that extra mile to um, help kickstart your potential career, be it, be it being video editor, assistant editor uh, in my realm of work or anything like that, it's, it's about how you start and, and get um, a good knowledge, a good base foundation of, of what, um, software you're going to be using in my case yeah Gudrun I think um, mine would be to have conversations with artists and venues and 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 to consider new ways of approaching things as well as continuing engagement like I said kind of no matter how you do that yeah and Hayden um, for me fundamentally it's about um, really defining what you're trying to achieve I know that sounds a bit airy fairy but if you if you don't know what you're trying to achieve online it makes it really difficult for you to actually determine if it's been successful or not so once you've determined those objectives determine what you're trying to achieve that will make you as an organization and make you understand what content you want to put out how much content you want to put out what platforms you need to be on so that's for me that's the key thing just go away and really have a think about what is it we're doing online and what is the reason we're here mm -hmm. And um, just to sort of wrap it up, because I know we're short for time, my last question, I'll start with you, Charlotte. What do you think the biggest and most positive change will come out of this in terms of going a bit more digital? Good question. Um, I think seeing how adaptable we can all be is probably one of the main things. I think from both people watching and absorbing content and also people creating and putting content out there I think that's that sort of resilience and sort of ability to adapt I think is do you think it will shake the arts up a bit do you think it will give it a bit of a kick up the bum that is needed for a long time yeah I mean probably in the sense that every sort of world event does so I think yeah we'll, we'll always be adapting to things that yeah Good. We, we are sort of yeah creating that change and adapting to that change as it comes about i think yeah jim three words mate work from home brilliant <laughs> <laughs> uh Gudrun. um yeah i agree with that i think um i think maybe how quickly things can change when there's a real need and a real desire i think there's been a lot of sh quick positive changes as well as like difficult ones to come to terms with and I just hope that that continues that we continue to think outside the box like people have been talking about today and 
and to kind of yeah to to push the boundaries more yeah and hayden yeah i, I think everybody's touched on everything i think i could really add to that just, just one thing for you, just in terms of the Arts Council, maybe just because obviously I think a lot of people are looking towards the Arts Council in this time. What, what are the biggest things that you would recommend from Arts Council perspective that people can be doing in this time? Um, get in contact with the Digital Culture Network um, and we will help you with any of your digital needs. Boom. Nice <laughs> plug, mate. Nice plug. And that was the best it. plug I've ever heard. That <laughs> Um, cool, we'll end it there. Thank you so much, guys, for joining us. Um, that's it. That's the end of all of our live content for the for the festival. Please, if um, if you have missed any of our webinars, um, they we have covered a lot of subjects. We, you know, dance, circus. We covered uh, the BLM movement, which was an incredible discussion yesterday. Uh, women in stand up. Um, uh, you know, this one as well. Mental health and well being in this time. Just uh, such an array of different topics that. We are going to uh, release online at a later date for you all to sort of listen to it. And I think there's some key conversations there that I think will need to be listened to. Um, and, you know, hearing young voices, hearing voices. That's why I think these webinars have been so great because there's been a lot of talk, you know, all the big wigs trying to make discussions and all that, which has been great. But I actually think it's been more, I think it's been more beneficial to listen to the people who are, who are here, who are, who are working, grafting in lockdown, still trying to make content and all that sort of stuff. So that's amazing. Um, please go and catch up on all the other stuff on the festival as well. We've been releasing over the past few days. Um, but that's it from me. Thank you so much, Jim, Charlotte, Hayden, Goodrun. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thank you so nice much. Um, but nice one. And thank you, Joe, as well, who's been our BSN interpreter for the whole weekend. Um, you've been incredible. Thank you so much. Um, but thank you and enjoy your weekend, guys. Drive home safe. Ah. Oh.